as I came into the, the uh, Dhamma Hall tonight, uh, I must say it was a real pleasure to look around and, and see so many old friends and to think that we've got nothing to do for the next week, it's just be here together. And there's nothing wrong with building work and, and even travelling's got its place, but to think that for the next week there's no need to travel or to build anything or to do anything other than just be here and and to be here together as a community. And some of some of us see each other quite regularly and others we haven't seen for a while. <laughs> but it's a it's a real treat to uh, have this kind of gathering and as you probably know there's still um, two others who had obligations that they had to meet. Um, Tony will be here later on tonight and then Robert will be here tomorrow morning. And beginning our time together, doing what we're going to do for this next week, which is sit in silence. I was, um, it came to mind that how it must be for, well, pretty much all of you really, I expect, coming to a place like this. For us, this is just business as usual. You know, here we are in the Dhamma Hall sitting together and we've spent many hours doing this and some of us many months or even years doing this together and and yet for you I expect all of you really it's this is it's a special time it's a, you have to make effort to take time out of work to prepare to have your house looked after have the the cat fed and um, putting time aside and making a special effort to come to the monastery to do something like this and I think, I, I, yeah, I can understand the specialness of that. It's in the sense that it's it's doing something that one really values. There are many concerns in life, much that we have to do uh, to get by, to survive, uh, to look after ourselves individually and collectively, and and. Yet there are those things that in our heart of hearts that we, we really know we value most. And probably most of us feel like we don't give enough attention to that. I, mean, I think it's probably true enough to say that even those of us living in the monastery find ourselves you know, getting caught up in, in doing things that are not really directly related to these these concerns that I call heart matters, the things that matter most to us. Um, and so it is appropriate to, whether we're living a monastic life or, or the, the lay life, to, to set time aside and to make the effort that required, that's required to, to actually attend to these heart matters, to, to set aside other concerns and really focus on these Concerns of the heart. So, in a sense, it is special. However, also, I think I think it's helpful to to be careful about how special we make it. 
we we can make it so special that that when 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 you go away from here, well, you know, it's back to that again. You know, and you've left the special situation and the special experience and the special occasion and the special insights and the, the special benefits. And that's actually too special. And so on this first night of the retreat, it's getting started on retreat, I, I would like for us to all uh, just to consider the feeling of, of, of how special we make it. Yes, it's special in the sense that we really do value it. It's, it's like something that holds special meaning in our lives. But let's be careful not to make it so special that it becomes cut off from the rest of our lives. Yeah. At the uh, earlier on today, there was there were a group of Thai students here who came over to visit for the first time from York, and and they they heard of this retreat and and they weren't familiar with this sort of um, practice and. For them, it was really special thing to do, I and mean, the idea of not talking for a week uh, was was almost unbelievable. Not eating in the evening and and actually just meditating for a week was a really dramatic and special thing to do. And so we talked a bit about you know what what is it that makes it so special in their minds, and and I was trying to encourage them to consider that actually. This is not so special, really. This is this is being natural, and that meditation, even meditation, is not such a special thing. And we're not even looking for special experiences. When our mind becomes peaceful and calm, actually, that's not a special state. That's. I think it's more helpful to think of that as the natural state. And I was saying it's like, you know, it's like these some of these guys. Most of them they came from Bangkok, and I said, you know, well. If you live in Bangkok and you come here, you think that we've got special we've got special air. This is not special air, this is normal air. This is what air actually, you know, air air is like. What you've got is bad air. You know, if you've ever been to Bangkok, you'll know how bad it is. I mean that's bad air. That's not that's not air air, that's not normal air. This is normal air. And it's the same with water. You know, you can put all sorts of toxic chemicals and waste and rubbish in water. And uh, then you make a dramatic effort to purify it, cleanse it, and filter it, and and then you've got this special water that you sell for a lot of money in special bottles, and and you can feel this water is really special. But actually, that's just water, water. That's just water. The the other stuff is dirty water. And for a lot of us, this I think uh, you know this applies to our minds that. you know, a few days in a nice environment like this where everything is set up conveniently thanks to all the organisers. And uh, we should remember um, with gratitude all the effort that has gone into this. And Tanebi Nando and, and Samaria Jyotiko I know have been re- working very hard to prepare all the accommodation and, and the, the preparing, preparation the cooks have made and, and the other organisers organiser, that have made this opportunity available. Um, a lot of effort has gone into making it very conducive and so for the next week we can all just basically just forget about things. Everybody's going to turn off their mobile phones. If they haven't already, please do. And if you can't resist the temptation, then please hand it in to Carol. Carol is in charge of mobile phones for the next week. I know there are some people who just, you know, they, there are all sorts of habits and 
um, text messaging I hear. I don't know how to do it, but I hear it's a, it's a, it's a thing that people do when they get bored. So Carol is helping out in that department for the next week. If you can't resist the temptation, hand over your phone at the end of this puja. Yeah. So, yeah, everything is laid on, it's all convenient. And after a few days of, of being on retreat, watching the breath, going for gentle walks, keeping silence, the mind settles, and it can feel so good. That peaceful state can feel so good. And if we're not careful, we can say this is a special state of mind. You know, we, can, we can make that into a special experience that we have to have special conditions to bring about. Now, the reason I want to mention this as we're getting started on the retreat is that I think that's, that's not altogether a helpful way of looking at it. I think it's more helpful if we look at it and say, well, actually, it's like the air, you know. That Bangkok air is bad news. This is normal air we have here in Northumberland. You know, a lot of the mind states we get caught up in, the, the confusion, the excesses, the, the distractions that, that uh, disturb our minds, that's, that's, that's a little abnormal. And really, the mind state that we're all going to settle into in two or three days' time, that's normal. That's not special. That's normal. So if we view that as normal, then when we go away from here and we start to see ourselves getting a little abnormal, we won't say, oh, I'm going back to the normal me again. We'll say, uh-uh, and, and come back to being normal again. And so when you're out there in the intensity of the active world, Instead of thinking about having a special experience or a special state of mind, you can think, well, how do I return back to normality? So I think that's a, that's a more helpful way of looking at it. So, yes, this is a special time that we have together because we value it, but let's not exaggerate that. Let's, let's view it as an opportunity to just return to normality. Good friends, being together, limiting the unnecessary activity of our lives and settling comfortably into a normal state. Now in support of this, um, you know, we, we have certain agreements. Uh, um, everybody understands that we're going to be silent for this week and um, from this time onwards, from this puja onwards, uh, I would like everybody to take the silence very seriously. Um, we're a small group and all it takes is for, for one person to start talking, well, probably two, unless one person's losing it. That, that we can handle. But when two people start talking, actually it affects everybody. So I would like everybody to really, as we begin the retreat, to take this commitment to silence uh, quite seriously and, and to understand it as something that, that supports this, this, this settling that I was talking about there. Settling back into who and what we really are without all the dwelling on the past and, and proliferating about the future, worrying about our jobs and worrying about our relationships. Actually, our relationships right now are just fine. Here we all are, you know, being in comfortable relationship with each other. But we could be dwelling on things that have happened in the past or we could be speculating about the future. That's unnecessary. That's extra. And if we certainly, if we start to talk about these things, well, that, that amplifies uh, the preoccupation with that which is not necessary. So for this period of time, we all come together and agree to make the effort to support each other, to settle back into that totally natural 
state of who and what we <laughs> truly are. You know, maybe some of us have, have gotten so busy that we've forgotten completely. No judgment in that. I mean, most of you look all right, but you, know, you can't tell from the outside. There may be a few of you that are totally distracted and besides yourselves. No judgment. I do trust that after two or three days you'll remember. Uh, I, I really believe that silence, a commitment to silence, is a great support of this. You know, silence is one of the things that really supports uh, intensity and deepening. Now, a lot of these confusions and, and um, distractions that, that, that compulsively distract, that are preoccupy us uh, are, not, are not just superficial concerns. You know, there are sometimes you know, quite deeply lodged um, preoccupations. Attachments, habits that, that have lodged themselves deeply in our mind. And, and just by reading an inspiring book or hearing a, a nice talk or thinking, well, it would be nice to not be distracted, we all know that that doesn't do it. Uh, in other words, we need to get a little deeper. We need to get a little more intense, a little more focused, going inwardly and finding out these places within ourselves where we are still hanging on. So if we, if, we, if we don't go deeper, if we don't intensify, either through lack of skill or lack of effort, well then, even our good intentions don't make any difference. So, my encouragement of the, the silence is an encouragement to help us all to go deeper, to bring about this intensification. There's many different ways of, getting, of bringing about intensity in practice. Inspiration can do it. You may have you know, some radiant, profound Dhamma master. If there were any around, it would be nice to have them, but what you've got is us. And there's another way of doing it, which is being willful. You can be really willful and, and intensely focus on something, and you can bring about intensity like that. Such forms of intensification are, are not always necessarily very stable because they're, they're, they're stimulated by an artificial sort of energy. Whereas if we just agree to be silent, what we feel is our own energy unwasted. You know, we, 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 when we talk, we, well, we all have the experience that we, we, we spend a lot of energy talking. And so if we just inhibit that and come back and let that energy build up, and then as that energy builds up, then we start to see the tendencies we have, we start to see the cracks that we have, we start to see the preoccupations that we have, and we can see them more clearly. We're not going to distract ourselves, we've got commitment. And so this, these factors of, of intensification and, and commitment are very much a part of, of the retreat. And I'd like to encourage and I'd like to see, hopefully, that they, they occur in a natural way that, that we can learn from again naturally and deepen naturally, not forcefully, not dramatically. Last weekend was the, um, the Papaja, the ordination of uh, Samanera Jyotika and Samanera Jayamano. Uh, some of you were here for the occasion and, and I spoke about the... Um, I, 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 I referred to a, a story or a metaphor that, that I had heard many years ago from a a very wise and experienced Dhamma teacher. He was talking about commitment and he gave the metaphor of, 
of digging for groundwater. And uh, the understanding is that that if groundwater is at 100 feet, there's no point in just digging a 10-foot hole and then moving on to another one because you get tired. But this is actually what, what does tend to happen. You, you, we're told, well, there's, there's, there's groundwater there. And so we start digging. And it takes effort. You know, digging, you know, dig down and it starts to get a little dark and cold down there and, you know, 10 foot down and you think, well, there's no water. This, this is obviously, this is not the right place. And you lose confidence, lose faith, lose hope. So how do I get hope and faith and confidence? Well, I go somewhere else. And so you shuffle around and get your, your, your dowsing equipment out and you go off and you go, ah, here's another place. And so, so you, you dig another hole and you start digging away with renewed enthusiasm, new faith, new hope, new confidence. And you get ten foot down, and it's getting dark and cold and lonely down there again, and and there's still no water. And you say, oh, still not it. And so you climb out of your hole, and and then you get your dousing equipment out, and you you go off again, and you find another place, and you think, this is it, this is the place, this is the place for sure. And you you dig away, and you you get down ten feet, and you have the same experience. And well, the story goes that you could, of course, spend a long time and a lot of effort digging 10-foot holes and not actually reach groundwater. Whereas if we had whatever it is that it takes to stay with one place, to stay in a one place and keep trusting, to stay with the faith, keep making the effort, to stay committed and deepen in that place where we already are looking, then we find what we're looking for. So commitment is uh, yes, really essential. And I trust everybody here is committed. I, I don't have any doubts. All of you have been on retreats before and we all know what's involved. And, and uh, for me it's a great pleasure to see people making a commitment to, start to doing this kind of work. I, I started off by saying, well, it's a great pleasure to just spend time together as if it's a picnic. Well, you know, there will be parts of it which hopefully I'm sure will be very agreeable and pleasant, but probably all of us will find we've got a little backlog of un, unattended to life, unlived life, and it's going to be work. And we meet this work, we do this work with commitment. And uh, one of the great benefits of having a community like this when we sit together, it supports this commitment. Being on our own in our rooms or in our own houses and thinking, well, I've got to do this, I've got to look into this, I've got to go deeper into this. And we can make effort, and, and that's valuable. But it's, it's also so precious to have a community of people that we feel are there with us. You've been on retreat with us before, that you also derive something from being on retreat with us. And this cooperative uh, community, this feeling of actually supporting each other is a, a, a very important factor for, for bringing about the deepening that we're looking for. So as we begin this retreat to, to appreciate this, to really make this quite conscious, the, the value the, of each other's company and uh, in supporting this deepening. And renunciation. The, um, the commitment supports deepening and intensification and going into those areas of ourselves we 
we know we need to get to and we're interested in getting to. And renunciation also supports that. And as I was saying, sometimes will that effort to I'm going to do it and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get there and I'm going to break through and I'm going to make it and I, I nearly got there last time, but this time I'm really going to do it. I'm just going to make myself do it. That willful effort has its place, yes, but it's limited. It's very limited. To appreciate, also again, quite, quite consciously, to, to appreciate how renunciation functions in support of this deepening process. You know, the, the renunciation with speech that we've spoken about, the very effort to inhibit the tendency to follow. You know, we, we want to talk, you know, we want to chat, we want to tell Adrian and, Adrian and Carol how wonderful the food was. I can tell you now it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be absolutely amazing all week. But you probably still want to go and say thank you to them and tell them how marvellous the food was. Now you could do that, but you know, actually for this week they don't need it. They, they, they've done many retreats before and they don't need to be thanked. And uh, what we need to do is to deepen. And so we agree to inhibit the tendency even to say such normal things as thank you for that amazing food. Or if there's somebody who's, you know, the other side of things, somebody who's really annoying you, somebody who's really, you know, just getting up your nose. Uh, you know, there, there, there are sometimes people who, I hope there's nobody here right now, but there are some people, oh, very good. <laughs> some people sit on stools and when they get off their stool, they put it on the floor and then in the middle of the meditation. And um, it was close, wasn't it? They only just got off a stool and that could have been really embarrassing. <laughs> But, you know, that's, that's, that's what actually happens. You know, sometimes people are just not aware that they're in a room full of other meditators and they get off their stool and then they clunk it down on the wooden floor. And personally, I find that awfully irritating. I, I just think, you know, where are they at? You know, don't they realize that I'm having a profound experience? And, <laughs> you know, where's the sensitivity and mindfulness? And, and, of course, my irritation is utterly unsuitable and, you know, it's my business to take responsibility for that and hopefully I'm learning to do that little by little. But still there are things that people do that really, you know, it doesn't matter how nice we all are, there are things that we do to each other that are annoying. And, and you know, there's that tendency to just say, you know, could you just stop doing that? You know, we can inhibit that. We don't have to say that. If there is anything going on that's really bad news, like, you know, I won't give any examples, but, you know, if somebody's really losing it, well, well come and see me, and, you know, because I'm going to be talking all week. So come and see me and I'll speak to somebody. But for the rest of the time, feeling the tendency to want to say something and, and not, just, not just willfully cutting it and saying, oh, we're not supposed to talk. Feeling the tendency to want to express gratitude to the cooks, yeah. Not just willfully inhibiting it and saying, oh, we're not allowed to talk, but feeling that tendency, feeling the movement of that tendency, feeling the energy of, I want to, ah, you know, you open your mouth. You can try doing that. Try opening your mouth, ah, you know, the energy wanting to come out and, and feel it, but don't do it, inhibiting it. 
Now this inhibiting, renouncing the gratification of desire. Renouncing the gratification of the desire. That Ajahn Chah used to talk about this, this aching, aching feeling of, 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 of desire. You know, and, and it's that feeling of, you, ah, just, you just want something, just aching for something. Now renunciation means renouncing the gratification of that effort, that, en- that energy. I want to talk. I want to have a cigarette. I, I want to complain. Or I want to text message. And I don't just use willful effort to cut it, but feel it. Really feel that wanting. That's energy. That's energy. That's our precious energy. That's our good energy. We don't have to use will to generate energy to deepen. That's one way of doing things. And it's a very limited way of doing things. And our poor planet has suffered from a lot of this willful effort. If we just exercise a little wise renunciation with mindfulness, feeling that tendency and inhibiting the gratification of it, and then just respect the energy. Really hold the energy that we're experiencing as desire. Don't move on it. Just hold it and let it take us deeper. It works. And this, this is the... This is the one of the wonderful things about renunciation that so sadly most of the world doesn't understand, renunciation is misunderstood, all sorts of moralistic things, which has nothing to do with renunciation at all. It's an energy dynamic. If we want to deepen, if we want to see the deep patterning of our minds, the things that habitually and, and unhelpfully disturb us and, and unsettle us, well, we do need to go deeper. And this is one way of getting the energy to go deeper. It'll take us deeper naturally. So this process of deepening and intensifying uh, brought about by commitment and by renunciation. And then also as we begin the retreat, I think, you know, just to, to bring into awareness the need to support this kind of effort with the qualities of kindness and contentment. Because as much as we you know, benefit from getting deeper and seeing all sorts of things within ourselves. As much as we might need to do that, and as dramatic and interesting as it might all become, if we forget to have an attitude of kindliness towards ourselves, then the process can go off in, in an unhelpful direction. So just mentioning this at the beginning, not making too much out of it, but reflecting as we start this week together that that commitment and renunciation are obvious. Let's not forget how important kindliness is and contentment. If we want to return to a feeling of being who we are, as we are, the most utterly natural state, then we're not going to get there if we're getting caught up in discontentment or aggression. Sometimes we we feel, well, I'm just making effort. But even if we just mention the word Kindliness. 
know, when we're making our effort. How does that, what the feeling behind that word kindliness, how does that feeling meet with the kind of effort we're making? Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying, you know, suddenly, you know, okay, I'm going to do 10 minutes of determined counting my breath and then I'm going to do 10 minutes of sweeping the body and then 10 minutes of kindness and then 10 minutes of, of contentment meditation in a, in, a, in a sort of militaristic, dramatic gesture. Rather, as we're making our effort in meditation, whatever it is we're doing, sometimes just, just remember the word, kindness, and feel it. And as I said, feel how that feels in contrast to the kind of effort we're making. Yeah. And contentment. Because it's not the case that when we're feeling contented we can't make effort. Yeah, if we don't if we haven't looked at these things, we haven't looked into these things, we can think, well that sounds contradictory. You know, if you're contented you're not going to make any effort. No, that's not true. We can feel contented and still make effort. Yeah. I can be really interested in looking very deeply into something, but I can still remember this theme of contentment. And we can feel it in our bodies. You, know. you can be making effort, but your, your fists you can be like this. And you just remember contentment. Ah. So these qualities of kindness and contentment felt as we make our effort to commit ourselves to this week together, to observe the renunciations that we're all making, have a, uh, a supportive, I see them as, as supporting of these, of these efforts. So also as we begin this week together to just take a few moments to um, acknowledge that we don't know what's going to happen for the next week. Uh, all of you I think have been on retreat here or certainly most of you have been on retreat here and, and have experienced the great variety of things that can happen. We've had some marvellous, wonderful, sunny days that just feel like paradise. And we've had, we've been struck by lightning. I don't know if you, any of you were here that year where the lightning bolt came through the roof and cut right through the room. You were here that year? You know, blew up the fax machine and, and then we got into that crisis about whether we could claim it as an act of God against the insurance. Eventually we did. Rainstorms of, you know, leaky tents and people have to come and sleep in the conservatory. Or one year, somebody, those kids shot up the tents, remember? The, they got their pallet guns out and started shooting holes through the tents. And, and um, other years, the, the, the food has been just so wonderful that, you, you know, it's like living in next door to a restaurant. And other years, it's, it's been interesting. <laughs> 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 the reason I mention it is just to say, well, we don't know what's going As far as food goes, we know. The food is going to be extraordinary for the next week. But what the weather's going to be like, we don't know. I mean, the weather forecast actually is not brilliant. And uh, there is, you know, I think it's actually helpful to, to, at the beginning, just to stop and think, anything could happen. 
That's the truth. That's the reality. And it's a great reality. I think it's really liberating. You know, you could die. <laughs> if, don't if you can avoid it. I mean, it's, it's, it's not convenient, but it's all right, actually. If it has to happen, if any of you have to die during this week, we can handle it, can't we? I'm sure we can handle it. It's highly preferable that you don't. Wait until the retreat finishes. <laughs> There's a great master who I admire very much, Master Xu Yun, who died at the age of 120 in the 50s, 1950s in China. Very great master and some of the records of his teaching. He was really tough. When some of the instructions that he would give at the beginning of a retreat was that if the guy sleeping next to you dies during the retreat, just push him under the bed and we'll deal with it at the end of the retreat. <laughs> you know, that's not, that's not quite our way. We, we, you know, we'll, we'll share the experience and, and go through it. But, you know, short of that, there could also be other inconveniences. Um, you know. So let's begin the retreat by acknowledging that anything could happen. We don't have to protect ourselves. We don't have to get all defensive. And I hope this doesn't happen. I hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean, of course, you know, we'd like to have a nice time together, but the reality is, the truth is, this is not, you know, fabricating. The truth is, anything could happen over this next week. We can't stop it from happening. And so that gives us great potential. And for me, it gives a feeling of relaxation. Well, just give up trying. Just give up trying to strategize the week. Just be with this moment. Take practice as it comes and learn what we need to learn. So, uh, as I said in the beginning, I'm very happy that we're all here together, and I do trust the retreat's going to be very fruitful for all of us. Thank you very much for your attention.